so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! That is the match winner! Kefu will never score a more important try. And look at the Wallaby players. That is the dream result they wanted. It's a heartbreak for the All Blacks. Here we are. The boys are back again for another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. One last round of Super Rugby Pacific remains and only two teams left and it is the two that we thought would be there. Yes, the age-old rivalry of Crusaders and the Blues coming to us for the final from Eden Park this weekend. How'd they get there? Well, the Crusaders held off of a mighty Chiefs performance um, down in Christchurch. 20 points to seven, no points in the second half of this game. Chiefs with all the territory, all the possession, but they couldn't break through that iron wall of red and black. Pablo Matera copped two cards, um, two yellows resulting in a red. So they gave the Chiefs half an hour of playing against 14 men, but they couldn't break through here. And then on Saturday, the Blues-Brumbies, another game that was battered by intense weather like the game before, um, the Blues, they got out early. They looked like they were all over it, and the Brumbies came surging back in the second half. Um, and a few mm, question-raising calls from referees in this one, um, and probably an ill-thought-out drop goal attempt from Noah late in the game, and the Brumbies lose it by one, 20 points to 19. Boys, it felt like the Brumbies were going to do this one. They were going to upset the table-topping Blues in New Zealand, but couldn't get over the line in the end. Yeah, I, I caught these games both on replay, so I knew the results, and I was going into this Brumbies game already with the uh, the bias of, oh, my God, they've been robbed and um, sort of really annoyed at Ben O'Keefe, obviously, who would love to go look for alternative employment. Um, but when I watched it on reflection, the Brumbies weren't weren't as good as they've been and they just made some poor decisions at moments where they probably should have scored. So uh, for me, this one really shouldn't have come down to a last-minute penalty, albeit it should have been a penalty. I don't think anyone has come out trying to defend Ben O'Keefe's interpretation of what happened to that ruck. Um, but there was times when... The, the Brumbies uh, were grinding it up in the forwards in the first half and chose to get the ball in Caden Neville's hands who tried to dive over a massive pile of guys to score. In Under the new rules, you're just going to get the ball given given to the Blues for a dropout. That's the, the, the team were all out there on the left flank ready to go and, and that sort of decision, low percentage play, or certainly low percentage against the best team in the comp. It's probably worked against a lot of weaker teams. Just poor decision-making. And then a later uh, example where they they sprung it, they swung it left, but Tom Wright, instead of giving a pass out to a man without uh, coverage, he took on the man. And again, good teams are wrapping the ball up, holding him up, and they don't score. So the Brumbies will rue those missed opportunities and... Uh, unfortunately, it's the end for their season and the New Zealand pundits get the, the super final that they wanted with their two fly half score in the battle. 
Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? The Brumbies really did feel like they could could have got that game. But first half, I think the Blues really dominated them. And so they did well to come back in the second half and really change their level of intensity. And I think just their intent generally was a lot better. Um, I, I stand by my comments last week saying that I thought the the Blues forward pack was a little bit of a weakness. I think some of their reserves came on and, and solidified a little bit, but overall, I think the Brumbies had their measure and Bobby V only managed what less than 50 minutes in this game, I think, or around that mark. Yeah, off at half time. Um, yeah. And they obviously lost Hooper in the first half as well. So a number of injuries there or potential kind of, I guess, niggles maybe that the, some of the Brumbies were carrying throughout that game. And, you know, someone like Lonigan coming on late really helped. And I've been critical of him this year a little bit, but he played way above his weight in this one and obviously secured himself a Wallaby's place in that squad. So well-deserved by him. Shame the Brumbies couldn't get there, but look, the Blues have been nearly, you know, probably the best team all year on balance and they've lost one game in the first round of the competition. So we can hardly complain that they made it through to the final. Now I think the the biggest test awaits, obviously. So the Crusaders obviously held out um, the Chiefs for that entire sort of second half, even down men, um, just immense sort of defence, um, despite sort of good attacking play a lot of the times so for the Chiefs could only manage one try, which is probably quite lucky. Um, Angus Tarvau, just the one tackle that they slipped off and he managed to slide over the line. Are you not worried about uh, this Crusaders team just being able to do the same thing to the Blues? That We're definitely not at their best um, in sort of wet weather, um, but it looks like it might be wet again this weekend. I think that's not as big an issue for the Blues. Like In both games, um, the, the handling throughout was pretty good with like top four teams are all they're all pretty in control um with basics but one thing that struck me is the the chiefs just really couldn't fling the ball wide at a number of times they'd quintapaya throw it over the sideline they had bring gatlin absolutely you know putting every ounce of strength into the ball and throwing a wobbly cutout pass that bounced a couple of times before it could get picked up um they just couldn't quite uh, take the the space and the momentum they generated, finish on those big passes in those conditions, and that gave the Crusaders a chance to to adjust and slide and, and contain. Whereas you've got Richie, who threw he threw an amazing uh, left to right cutout ball late in the game, and in the, again in the conditions, um, th- that's the sort of difference making uh, skill set and execution that really separates these two teams from even just the New Zealand counterparts without even bringing the Aussies into it. Like they can get the ball where they need to, they get it there flat, they get it there fast, direct. Um, And I think that means that as an opposition, the Blues will be a better match and and will be a much tighter game. The Crusaders won't get that opportunity as often with the Blues. They've got the pace out wide. They've got great passing between Bowden and Perifetta. Um, I I don't think they're going to get that luxury against the Blues this weekend. Before we delve a bit deeper into um, these games, the teams that have been knocked out. Well, first off, do you want to talk about any of the cards that were given out over the weekend? We saw Matera with a couple. We saw two for the Blues team, um, both yellows. Um, both, I think, the commentators thought were looking 
a little bit more crimson than that um, at the time, um, but Ben O'Keefe decided that they were only yellows. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think just on Pablo a little bit, I mean, the first card he got was a team yellow card, basically. Second one, obviously, got a bit of his shoulder into the guy's head and that was another yellow. I think he probably didn't deserve to be playing anyway based on his antics a few weeks back. So it actually equaled out in the end. And now the Crusaders obviously don't have the luxury of playing him in the final. In terms of Ben O'Keefe... Is that confirmed? I don't know if that's confirmed, but I thought Scott Robinson thought that it would be likely that he was saying that he'd likely be back because it was just a second yellow that made it a red. Um, Good point there. I think if it it goes to the commission, surely they have to look at this pattern and think that maybe he deserves to miss a game, right? But oh, I thought the pattern was that Pablo Matera just gets to keep playing. Okay. Oh, look, it's Pablo. (laughs) We need our Argentinian audience for marketing reasons. We we're going to let him play again. Dude, man, it's a huge thing. it's a huge coup for the crusaders if they were able to keep him i mean it's not like they're short of black rowers but ethan blackhead obviously we know is out so that's made a bit of a dent in their back row um none of the crusaders got selected in the all black squad um back row players got selected in the all black squad so they'll be looking to make an impact mm. and show their and show their potential for future selection this weekend but yeah like going to Ben O'Keefe I just I'm baffled by the way he referees games and sometimes I think he's trying to keep the game going trying to keep things even Um, other times he'll just pull out a red when it shouldn't be a red and I honestly think that we probably need to be using neutral referees for some of these bigger games because far too often are we seeing Kiwi refs in New Zealand seem to favor the home team and I just think he's been really inconsistent. People say he's a good referee, even Dave Rennie this or earlier this week. Um, actually, maybe it was on Sunday. Either way, he said that, you know, he's a very, very good referee. I'm not sure about that. I, I don't know if he's trying to butter him up for future games into the rugby championship. But from my perspective, um, yeah, he just see, seems to see what he wants to see in these tackles, particularly these high shots. And I'm sure you guys would, would agree that there is, um, you know, a lot of instances where we're seeing shoulder to head and it's being taken down to a yellow. Um, so I think the subjectivity of a lot of these calls is just, is, is ruining the game in some respects. It, it feels very much that like every season, there's a theme, there's a, a new focus and they're very strict. And I think they're quite, reasonable a lot of the time earlier that there was the odd poor call that didn't seem to match the um, parameters that they laid out for for dangerous contact foul play and whatnot but as the season's worn on the amount of mitigation and and seeming just yeah bypassing the the strictness of those laws to turn reds into yellows or or even fade them to a penalty just seems to be really common and O'Keefe has been one of the biggest proponents of that and how how anyone thinks, even if, even if there's a second man involved in the tackle, how anyone turns Muirhead being put on his head into a yellow, like how does that dis- like the whole point of these is to protect players to discourage dangerous tackling. If anything, the second guy in that tackle was also putting him on his head. Neither guy had any regard, so one made the other worse, but they also were both equally bad. So you know what? Two yellows 
or one red. Like it, it can't be mitigated to a yellow and the other guy's um, influence not taking into account the way he was undertaking the tackle as well. So that's a frustrating thing I find. O'Keefe around the park, I think a lot of the refs have started letting more slide. Like they've had a lot more slow slowing the ball, rucks. Like every now and then you'll get a guy who's there around the ball as a tackler for a moment and it's penalty advantage. And you're like, I can't believe they gave that guy no opportunity to get out. But other times there's guys laying on the ball, there's guys putting their hands on it and the ref is still coaching them to get off and they're not giving advantage because eventually they get off. It's like you, 50, 60 minutes into the game, you don't give those guys that opportunity. Say, no, you should know by now, boom, penalty advantage. And, yeah. and that sort of stuff late in the game helps teams that are doing the right thing, builds momentum and take advantage. Whereas it lets, if they don't do it, if they, they ref the way they've been refing, you get these teams that know how to play the ruck, know how to play the refs mm. and it just never escalates and they just keep getting away with it. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to us, like we're one-eyed Australian fans record. at this stage because um, we sort of call it and a lot of time it is sometimes against Australian players. But to be honest, I don't think the Brumbies should have won that game overall and how they played. But it's just, and I think I think Dan McKellar even said that and multiple coaches have said, come out and said, look, I don't really understand how these decisions are being made. It's going to ruin the game for people like us watching the game because you have no idea what's going to happen. And things are just so inconsistent week to week that it sort of ruins it for you because you sit there being like, well, I obviously don't understand this game that I've been watching for 20 years. And I was like, what? Why Why should I not be able to wrap my head again around a sports game that I have a lot of experience with? And that's that's the frustrating yeah. part I think we find here. Yeah. Okay. From I mean, reason- but clearly they, you know, that last penalty, I think everyone can agree that that should have been blown up. And I know that the Brumbies may have got the pill for almost and then driven forward a bit and he said, play on. But then you had Blues players, you know, playing it on the ground. Um, There were multiple opportunities to give a penalty there. And I think he just didn't have the guts to do it, knowing that the Brumbies would have kicked that over and they would have won the game. So... I think there are there have been a lot of times with, where he is reluctant to make the big calls in games. He'd rather just say play on or you know just take the easy option. Yeah. Um, but as a referee, you have to be courageous and you have to back yourself. And I think Ben O'Keefe sometimes just takes the easy option, and it's disappointing. Mm. It's a bit reminiscent of Yako Piper. Um, what he used to do in the last five minutes of games would just not call penalties and it'd just be like, I don't want to be the one to decide this game. I want you guys to decide it. And unfortunately, it does disadvantage some teams quite profusely and quite obviously. Well, the team infringing is deciding that they're going to infringe, so penalise them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, Brumbies and Chiefs knocked out now. Let's give them a grade um, for their 2022 season, guys. Um, Brumbies, I guess they definitely faded at, as the season wore on and, and they had some disappointing losses like losing to minor Pacifica. It's just something that shouldn't have happened. Um, and you know, it probably doesn't change their change much about their finals. They've been potentially playing the Crusaders at home instead of the blues. It's equally challenging proposition, but um, I don't know. I feel like they were a team that was good enough and they just didn't string it together. I, I don't think I can give them any more than a B, to be honest. Like just based on expectations, they've 
they showed they had the potential, they didn't have the consistency and and they didn't play well at the right point in the season to to finish strong. I don't know. I think perhaps that's a little bit harsh. Um, I'd probably still give them an A minus. I think they could they could definitely improve on some of those performances, but in the end, they got within a couple of points of beating arguably the best team in the competition at home in Eden Park. And yeah, I think they still have another level to go to on a consistent basis, but with some of the guys moving on, maybe that's not going to be, you know, realistic for next season, but losing Dan McKellar, losing some of those experienced guys will have an impact and maybe this was their window, Um, but still a very impressive unit. And um, yeah, I think they can be proud of their season overall. What about the Chiefs? Did they exceed expectation um, with a couple of big wins this year, taking down the Crusaders in Christchurch early on in the year, making it through to this final? Or was this sort of what you'd expect for them as well? Uh, I think I think that's probably about right. Like they, They've got to get um, some credit for being the Crusaders at home. That's that's a big feat. They've, they've been... Um, I think they're the most successful team against the Crusaders in finals um, history. So I think the Crusaders have won some stupid number of games and only lost like 10. But the Chiefs had four of those. So, um, look, Well, they've never lost... Yeah, the Crusaders have never lost at home in a final, but away. Yeah, yeah. That, and I think the Chiefs have a... They have a history of taking games off them at home during the regular season. Yeah. So... If you look at their rosters, I think that the Chiefs probably played above their weight in a lot of these games, and they've had some key injuries. Um, yeah. And I think they've they've still got some combinations to really develop. Like Bryn Gatlin, yeah, he was okay. Is he the future? I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. I, I still would back Joshuani, but he's in and out of the team. you got Warren Gatlin there as, you know, whatever role he is, who really knows. Um, but Chiefs have a lot of young, exciting players, and they always have. It's just putting it together, um, you know, to really hit that top level. I think a lot of the time they're there and thereabouts. But, you know, it, it's a long way off, I think, still that the Dave Rennie teams of the, what, 2012, 2013 seasons, I think that's when that, that was such a good unit with some good experience. I think there are still some areas that they get exposed in. Um, so I'd give them, I'd still give them a B plus, I think. So the big final this weekend, um, boys, where do you think the bookies have got it? Who's going to be favourite? What's your points margin here? Well, like I said, I was um, coming, in, I was coming into the replay of the Brummies game, thinking, oh, these damn Blues don't deserve it now. Don't want them to win. I want the Crusaders to win, but. I, I think I'm back on the Blues. Um, I think the Crusaders, geez, Crusaders not being at home is is just about enough to even it up for the bookies. But just on pedigree, oh, it's hard to imagine they're tipping against the Blues at home. But I'm going to say Crusaders minus two and a half. Um, look, I have to say, I think the Blues should still be favoured. I think it'll be, it's almost a push, but I think probably Blues by one and a half. Um, I'm tipping the Crusaders. I've, I'm sticking with them. I think they have 
the composure, the experience. Um, you know, there are some some names in there maybe that aren't as big as some of the Blues um, in key positions, but I think overall the Crusaders as a unit, I think they're a smarter football team, and I think under pressure that'll really come home to roost. I think Will Jordan is in, you know, career best form. Mm. And the Blues just, I think if they get behind in this game, they might panic a bit. Um, this is a big deal to them. Whereas to the Crusaders, a lot of these guys have done it many times before. And I think that'll really pay pay a lot of dividends in, in such a high pressure situation. Um, no doubt the Blues will have the bigger crowd, but Crusaders have the pedigree, pedigree and I'll be backing them. So, yeah, the bookies do have the Blues favoured, but it is more or less a push at um, point, half a point um, favoured. So very little, some other little little odds you might be keen to bet on. So there's a $2.50 for um, two tries scored in the first 20 minutes um, or $2.50 for any two of either Sevu, Fanganuku or Will Jordan as try scorers. Interested in any of those two boys? Yeah, you think that um, latter one would only be spoiled by Will Jordan scoring all of them. <laughs> yeah. Like if he scores two, you probably don't get the payout. Um, but yeah, I or was it this... first one a try in the first 25 minutes? Is that what you two, 20 minutes? two or, or two more tries. tries in the first 20 minutes? I don't, I don't yeah. know. It, if comes, I it, comes that. Down, it comes down to whether you think this is going to be a defensive sort of push like the two games on the weekend and or you think it's going to be a bit of a try fest with both teams getting over 20 points hard to know with the weather that obviously plays a factor it could mean that it's a lot lot sloppier and there are those counter-attacking opportunities or it means teams just start tightening up playing it through the forwards playing territory and kicking the points um finals do you know recent memory it's i I can't really remember the score lines, but I feel like the Blues are going to be a little bit cagey. I'm not sure if the, the Crusaders will be. Um, I'd probably take that, to be honest. I think a try either side early in the game, the first quarter, I think makes sense. I, I can see the Crusaders starting well. Um, so I could easily see them scoring a couple of tries. And the Blues have so much firepower across the board. All it takes is one moment and they're, they're over. They've got so many game breakers there. I think there'll be a number of tries in this game. Um, so, yeah, I'd be looking for a, I don't know, what a 30 to 25 sort of game. I think there'll be enough in it for entertainment purposes. Um, but hopefully the weather isn't too much of a factor. So our other big announcement on the weekend um, was getting our look at Wallabies and All Blacks squads. Um, so 35 men for Rennie as well as um, for the All Blacks were named. Um, Toby already indicated some of the surprises from the All Blacks side of things with no Crusaders back rowers named uh, in the All Blacks squad at all. The other probably big notable changes is no TJ Perinara, no Brad Weber. Um, in the halfbacks. Instead, they're taking Finlay Christie and Falau Fakatava um, looks to get um, hit, get a debut as he finally becomes eligible for the All Blacks. Um, and Pe Stephen Perifetta gets uh, rewarded for his good form this season with the Blues as the sort of third string fly half, maybe 
um, covering some other positions there as well. Um, Wallaby side of things, boys, what are the big, big um, winners, big losers out of this one? I think the big winners are Australia because Matt Tamur is not in the squad and neither is Reese Hodge. And their form didn't warrant it. And taking those two out with their, they, they are almost now the relics of this um, sort of heavy, heavy betting on these utility guys who can cover a lot of spots. And I, I guess maybe the the worry that, oh, if we get one injury to a good player, we're going to be stri- stricken with no one to play in the centers or no one to play a fullback. Now we've got some really quality options in all positions and we don't feel the need for utilities that are jack of all trades and have, have had the form sub, you know, a lot of our, our best guys out there now who are specialists. So um, obviously they are, they are unfortunate losers for them personally, but no doubt they'll get some um, work in the Australia A squad. Uh, also hearing Hamish Stewart's going to get a, an opportunity there too, which I think is really deserving. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a, a positive progression for me. I'm not so much picking winners and uh, in this one. I think the best form players have been selected and it's just nice that we're picking specialists for once. Yeah, I think, I think you'll see Hodgie again at some point in the next couple of years, probably this year, if I'm honest. I think he's one of those guys that is always in, in peak condition um, if he's not carrying an injury, like he really does train well, he's a good team man, he's experienced. So I think Rennie holds him in high regard. I think Matt Tamua, this might be the end for him at a Wallabies level. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the less Rebels in the team, the, the better. Um, still not that keen to see Matt Phillip in there, but Isaac Rodder, we found out, is carrying a, a foot injury, I think it was, for, for the next couple of months or a few months. So, you know, that's a bit of a blow, but we do have enough guys to cover that. And that's without bringing in someone like Rory Arnold or Will Skelton. We're building up some pretty good depth across the board. Obviously, Arch, you'll probably mention in a minute, Fraser McWright left out. That's probably quite controversial. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of other losers to this squad. I think overall, the right selections have been made. I think Pone Farmacilli has been picked for his size and potential and against someone like England, I think that we kind of need that. If you look at our selections across the forward pack, there are some big boys in there. I think we're putting together a very sizable lineup. And I think we'll need to do that to, to counteract the power of, of England. So I think that's been quite intentional by Rennie. Having said that, if all the props were fit, you're not going to see Farmer Silly. Like he, that's you're picking size if if you're forced into him, but there's all five other props. It's if Taniella, you know. Yeah, that's right, because you don't have another three maybe beyond he's off the bench, you know. And you don't want to use Slipper as a, as a hybrid either. So um, he's, he's, he's one of those kind of, I don't want to mention state of origin, but he's that sort of player that can be abrasive. If you really need him and come the third game, he'll be able to truck it up. He won't let you down as long as he's fit enough. Um, and yeah, just like worry size. about ball security. But, yeah, but... You know, if you compare him to Harry Johnson Holmes, I like Harry Johnson Holmes as a player. I'm not sure he's quite the tight head for an international level. I think loose head is, is his better position. So I think Pone is a good cover to have. Um, and it'd be good against, you know, practicing against him for guys like Tupo or Angus Bell actually will be on that side. I think you'll get a lot of work against him in training. 
But yeah, look, I've been really happy with this Wallabies squad. Honestly, I think cutting it down to 35 or 36, whatever it is, um, was tough. But I think there's not too many places where I feel like Rennie's made a bad decision. I feel like we're ready to go and we're primed for a big series. And he doesn't have to carry this overweight squad of 40 people because he's got the Australia A outlet there to to give a lot of other good guys a lot of, with a lot of potential a good run. Jock Campbell, Fraser McWright, um, some, some of the backs out of the Waratahs that have stepped up and lifted that season. Um, like the, There's lots of opportunities for those guys too. And they'll be playing competent opposition. If they really stand out, they'll look like international players who are, who are ready mm. to come into the Wallabies. And there's a whole more test rugby. There's an, another 11 tests against tier one nations after England, right? So yeah, heaps of rugby left. I was going to say, really- my, my, biggest, my biggest concern is around 5-8. I think, you know, James O'Connor, if he's not fit, that's fine. But then we, we need to make a decision of Noah, who is he quite ready for that big role against England? Um, or do you go to Quaid, who hasn't played much rugby? That's my biggest concern, that his game time has been quite limited since the Japanese season has come to an end. So I hope he can get enough you know, really high-intensity training time under his belt to be ready to play England. No way in hell do I see Noah getting game time versus England unless we have an injury to O'Connor or Quaid um, in my head. Both. Like, they said O'Connor would be ready to play finals if the... Um, well, they would have been ready to play this last weekend if the Reds had got through. Um but in my head, I, th- I think almost Quaid gets the start first off the bat. I almost would would start him first up. I think that um, just the, um, I don't know, the passion, the history, you put him and um, Karevi back into that 10 and 12 combo back yeah, in Australia versus England. It's just like, oh, like there'll just be so much excitement and passion around that again, having those two back in our team. And five games on the trot out of the wilderness last year like he's he's kind of proven what he, he needs just step to back prove in last just, year yeah yeah and, and it's another year he's another year older and, and toby's right that the amount of game time isn't there but no doubt um they've spoken to him previous to this announcement with a bit of a bit of notice and i'm sure he's been doing all the training he needs to to keep that condition um i i, I don't see him having to do all the work either like again we've got a strong team we're not relying on him to come in and babysit the rest of the back line of rookies right that he's got some good players all around him and he's just got to do his bit and he showed that he could do that last year so i'm with you i think the the opportunity there if jock's still not quite right i think the smart move is to just play quade because if he's fit he's uh he's in a spot to be ready to go and yeah i think with nick white there Lots of experience to pair with Quaid. Obviously, Karevi's experience too, but he's just such a power player. And I think having Iki Tau next to him, that extra ball-playing ability, good left foot. Um, you could even have Kellaway there on the wing who has some good distribution, Tom Banks, Tom Wright, Corabetti. I think we've got a very, very highly intelligent backline. I think, from a rugby perspective going around. Some good IQ there and... I give us a really good shot against England. You know, mm. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, 
the, the losing streak will come to an end during this three-game um, series. I think we can take them 3-0, three, three if I'm honest, if I'm being bold. Um, it's um, going to be a huge series. I know that they're missing some pretty key guys, England, from their previous sort of few years, but Eddie is trying to inject some youth. And I think Rennie has already come out and said, look, we're good mates. There's not going to be that, that distraction that there might have been with Checker and Eddie going at it. This is going to be a pretty amicable series off the mm-hmm. field. But I think on it, Australia will be right up for this. I think this is our time to really um, put a mark on world rugby leading into next year. And you know Eddie will try and drum up some sort of drama between them or a little bit of niggle there because he loves doing it. He loves people bringing the spotlight back onto him. So I think that's the right move by Rennie being like, no, nah, there's nothing there. There's just going to be a good good couple of games between two strong rugby nations, which is exactly what we want to see. I do really like as well, like everyone sort of came out when the squad first got announced with the fact that McWright wasn't there. I really like that Rennie was very straight up with what his sort of plan was. He goes, look, I'm not going to play two sevens like in the team. He's not going to be on the bench. So I prefer him to be um, getting proper game time in the Pacific Nations Cup um, for Australia A and getting a bit more game time. And we know if Hooper goes down, he'll be straight in. And he's pretty much said, that's fine. And it's just like, okay, that makes sense. That makes 100% um, common sense from where he's coming from. And I really like just the straight speak that he's giving to us. And I think we've seen before, he doesn't name guys in a squad, but they're there on the training paddock week to week. I think Fraser could be one of those guys. Not sure how big Australia's kind of training program is going to be. He's, he should be the captain for that team. But I think overall he'll be, you know, present at training during the course of this series. And as you said, Arch, ready to go if Hoops goes down. We know how durable he is, but... You know, he did have a concussion this year, missed a couple of games, so it is possible. Um, And I really like the transparency from Rennie. I mean, he's not giving important information away, but he's clarifying something that other people might get upset about. And in the past, we've just kind of said nothing to points like that. So I think he's been really good at explaining his decisions clearly and giving the rugby public, um, you know, a bit of an inside look into how he thinks about the game. I think that actually keeps interest um, and, you know, gets people understanding why these decisions are made. And we haven't seen the Australian A squad actually um, announced. It looks like it probably will be announced by the time this uh, podcast goes out because it'll be out on Wednesday, apparently. So it'll be interesting to see some of the names that go through there. Leo, you already mentioned those. Sounds like Hamish Stewart will probably get a run in that. Um, Any other names you want to see get a bit more game time? Um, with the Australian A's? Oh, I think like, you know, Peach and Mark Norman and Dewasi should be in there. Ed Med. Um, who else we got from the Tars? Like, I mean, so, so this, yeah, the Tars, the Tars have Johnson quite a number of guys. Will be there. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yep. Um, um, Hooker's it's probably, Donald. yeah, Donaldson. Yep. Um, but I Hooker's, think Kites do needs to... Have a Wait, that was chance. going to be actually. I, I, I'm not sure why Katu is beating out. Is, is Parecki that much better? He's I, fallen out of favor with the force, which isn't a good sign if you can't get selected for your super team. When Parecki you're the captain of that be, team as well, 
Yeah, exactly. There were multiple reasons why he should have been starting for the force and he wasn't. So maybe there's more to that than just yeah. his on-field performance. However, Parecki, I'm yet to be really, really impressed by. But he's had good mail on him ever since he came back from the UK competition. Um, and I just wonder, wonder if we're reading too much Christy Doran. Like, are we just getting the same person's mail? Um, but yeah, anyway, the, know, he's just... been selected, right? So... Yeah, and it, you know, like he has been selected at hooker starting for the majority of times for the Tars where he's healthy. So there's a yeah. fair bit of respect around him. I, he's actually a bigger unit than he looks, I think, on the TV. If you look at his stats, he's got a bit of size to him as well. I think Falau Fanger should be the, the number one guy pretty clearly. But yeah. we've seen it many times before that Falau comes in and out. So yeah. hopefully he can get some continuity in that starting spot. And I guess probably you, Elise, we see, I'm, I'm again glad he's not in the Wallabies squad, but he'll probably be in the A squad. Guy like Firstly Warner, hopefully they're finally picking up the phone to him. Um, would be nice to, not a nice to have him involved. Seru. Like, oh, yeah, Seru should be there. Um, if, he's not, if he's not putting his hand up for Fiji, right? Where's Nicerani? Is Nicerani overseas right now? He's in yeah. Japan, isn't he? Is he? Okay. Yeah. I just feel like he's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth and no one's talking about him anymore. As well, last year, he wasn't getting guys picked. Guys could come back. Don't remember last year, he yeah. was like in the back row group. And we're like, why isn't he even in the squad? And then he, he's signed his, you know, yeah, signed up his yeah. contract somewhere else. So we maybe someone we neglected, but we've got so many back rows now. Like Samu's really come into some form. Valentini's really, really built on last year. Harry Wilson was the most the busiest man in Super Rugby. This year, taking a thousand hit ups, um, and you've still Swint, got Hooper obviously Swinton. taking one of those three spots. Swinton to come back, just he, heaps of people, heaps of back rows. So unfortunately, no, Sarani just just uh, edged out. Do you think um, Ryan Lonigan should probably start at number nine yeah. for that Australia A team? Yeah, yep. I should think so. Absolutely, it's your next gen. Like it's not just it's not just the guys that miss the squad. It's the guys who you want. Um, you know, really building into some maturity for two-ish years' time. Very good player. And he, he did actually change the game, I think, on on the weekend against the Blues when he came on. He really mm. picked up the pace. And he plays a slightly different game to Nick White. Um, I think if Tate McDermott's not careful, he could be taking his spot at some point. Um, you know, it's... We've got a lot of talent there at nine. I think we've got a lot of guys that can really step up the plate. Like we've lost contact with guys like Moses Sorovi, who I think has a lot of talent as well. There's there's a fair bit of depth in a position that before we were maybe struggling a little bit with. I think that's that's a common theme across these positions in the team now. Um, there's not too many places mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm overly worried about. The one thing I'd say about Lonigan specifically the weekend um, potentially needs to just get a little bit better in some of his decision-making. Like we talk about Noah being a bit too quick to take the drop goal then, but then Lonigan's the one that's throwing him that ball back in the pocket there. Um, again, it's not the right decision. Um, it's setting him up when he's setting up for a drop goal already. Like you shouldn't be going to him that early as well. So that's one thing that made me sort of question it a little bit, but I agree. He's definitely the future of that position. 
Um, otherwise, around the world, guys, um, MLR, we're reaching the semifinals there. We had the Seawolves and Rugby United New York go through on the weekend. Um, so in the semis, you've got Houston versus Seattle um, in the Western Conference, in the Eastern Conference, New England Free Jacks um, versus Rugby United New York. Um, once again, obviously, Guillotines, Gilgronies um, are both still out. Um, Guillotines, they have sort of uh brought out some more information saying that their sort of coach owner brought the game into a bit of disrepute uh disrepute and that's why they got dropped out of the the postseason there so there wasn't any obvious um salary cap um information that that came out about them as well um but still exciting times they're getting a lot of fans a lot of viewers over there in mlr um and really building the game in the states really hoping to build up against a guest to their, their um, hosting of a World Cup. It's a real shame, though, with the Giltinis because they had the potential to go back-to-back. -back. Um, so I know that as an owner of two teams, uh, there's probably vested interest there, and he's spoken up, and he's probably got a, a fair bit of power throughout that competition with two of the more successful teams. But... Such a shame for a fan base that was growing there in LA and for a few guys that probably won't see, um, you know, game time again for that team. There's, there, there was um, chat that, who's, um, is it Goddard, the halfback? Yeah, might be coming Goddard. back to Australia. Yeah. yeah, so he's a guy to watch out for. Gitto, who knows, he might join the coaching panel. I, I don't see him going around again, but I, I could yeah. be wrong. Um there's a lot of Australian influence throughout that team. So hopefully they can get themselves right for next year and, and really push for another title. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting to see. Um, let's leave it there, guys. Big game on the weekend. Super Rugby wraps up for another year, which means it's test season. Oh, I can't wait for it. Um, England, Ireland coming down under into New Zealand. Going to be some absolutely amazing games between these powerhouses. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and liking some and subscribing to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Other than that, make sure you're tuning in for the Super Rugby Final. And I don't know, I don't know who to go for here. Let's let's just hope that Ben O'Keefe has a all right refing game. Really, that's the main thing. I just want to see some consistency, but who knows? As always, let's keep on running. Run. Right.